prayer. God, thank you so much again for this time we can spend together and just pray dear God that you would truly move in our hearts during this service and that you would be glorified by everything that we say and do. Motivate us, Lord God, to know you better in Jesus name. Amen. In John chapter one, verse one, it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning through him. All things were made without him. Nothing was made that had been made and in him was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. And John goes on. I remember when I lived in Marblehead, Massachusetts, I was in my kitchen. I heard a knocking on the door, go to the door. There's a woman standing there with a little Bible tucked underneath her arm. She had a couple of pamphlets and everything. And she started talking to me about, you know, she came from Kingdom Hall, Jehovah's Witnesses, and she was going to talk to me about God and didn't know who I was. And so I, I invite those kind of conversations. I actually really enjoy them. I actually told her who I was, so I wasn't tricking her. And we started a conversation. And I came to the question of who is Jesus Christ? Who do you say Jesus is? Oh, she went on to talk about how wonderful Jesus was. And we believe in Jesus and we're just like you and all this kind of thing. And I say, well, you know, she said, well, I said, do you believe that he's God? Oh, no, he's not God. Jehovah is God. No, no other God. I said, well, what about in John chapter one, verse one, it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And she said, well, no, you're you're misunderstanding that it says was a God. I said, oh, no, it doesn't say a God. I study this. I went back actually this week, just so you understand, and studied it again just to make sure, absolutely sure, though I've been sure already. But I, every time I talk about this, I want to make sure I want to go back and study it again and again and in the original, it says God. And so we talked and she said, no, Ega. And I said, listen, go back and study the original. Go back and study the Greek. Go back and study the original text. And she said she got frustrated. She said, well, I am Greek. And I said, well, that's nice that you're Greek. You know what I mean? I'm German, Irish, Indian. You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> that's not going to help you when it comes to, you know, understanding the text unless you study the original. And so we talked for a little bit longer and, and, uh, and she left probably unhappy, gave me the little Watchtower magazine. And I thought that was interesting to look at that. Um, Jehovah's Witnesses, here's the thing. They believe that Jesus was the first thing that, that God Jehovah created. OK, Jesus was the first thing that God created. And then Jesus, formerly known as the Archangel Michael, just understand that. Jesus and, and, and Michael are the same, same person. OK, so it, they believe the archangel Michael is Jesus. So so Jesus, after God created Jesus, Jesus or formerly known as the no, as the archangel Michael, right, created everything else. So get that down. God created Jesus. Jesus then created everything else. That's what they believe. They also believe that Jesus, now hear this out because this makes you feel much better, is the greatest man who ever lived. He's great. He was, the, he was so amazing. He was such a great teacher. He was the greatest man who ever lived and he created everything. But then my mind said, wait a second, there's a little bit of problem with that unless you just want to forget Genesis chapter 1. What is in Genesis chapter 1, the very beginning? It says what? In the beginning, God created Uppercase G, okay, God, God. It doesn't say, it should say, if, if they're correct, it should say, in the beginning, a God created. 
But it doesn't. In the beginning, God created. So you got a dilemma there going on right away. Right away, there's a, a dilemma. Who then created everything? A God that was created by God, which has problems of its own, or God. Now, I know some of you, many of you have had similar experiences in your life where someone has said to you, whether it's Jehovah's Witness or whether it's a Muslim or whether it's someone else saying that Jesus Christ was a wonderful human being, had all kinds of nice qualities to him, but he was not God. So then how do you respond? Because we're in this series called Stand. Does it really matter what you believe? And it does. And you're going to run into this all the time. So how do you respond when people claim that Jesus was only a good man and not God? And, and another question is, what does it matter? I mean, think about it. what does it matter if Jesus was if he was a super great guy and he was the greatest man who ever lived and he was a great teacher and all this other good stuff? What does it really matter? Well, to answer those questions, I need to address. I'll address. I think I can answer them best if I address the challenge that was made that's made by the Jehovah's Witnesses. If I address those challenges to Jesus' deity, then I think I'll answer all the questions that we have. So let's start with a little background. In 1950, okay, until 1950, Jehovah's Witnesses used the American Standard um, Bible, okay, because it, it featured the name Jehovah. They liked that. So we're going to use the American Standard Bible because it featured uh, the name Jehovah. The only problem with that, a lot of problems, but one big problem was their Bible said in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So then you have a problem. Okay, they solved the problem when the Watchtower Society published its own New World translation of the Holy Scriptures. So let's translate. They translated their own New World Translation. If you ask them who translated their Bible, they won't tell you. They'll say a translation committee. So a translation committee is the one that got together. A bunch of guys got together and translated that. So they won't tell you who actually did it. Now, there is there is one Bible that agrees with the Watchtower version um, of the translation. There's one. And it was written by uh, Johannes Grieber. Okay. And Johannes Grieber translated the New Testament with the help, okay, with the aid of a spirit guide while he was under the influence of drugs. That's not a joke, okay? So Johannes Grieber translated the New Testament and put a God as well. Um, but if you study that, if you study his life, he had a spirit guide aiding him while he was under the influence of drugs. And that's the only translation that goes along with the Watchtower's translation of a God. Just add, isn't it funny, just add a little bit there, changes things around a lot. So here's the thing that I, that I always struggle with too. To, to, this is just being honest. It, to change God to a God causes more problems and raises, raises more questions than it answers theologically. Just like I said in the very beginning, when you have Genesis, when you start changing things around, and I, I kind of process through this. I said, why do people do this? The Bible is completely covered with the idea, the, the reality, the theology that Jesus is God. So why is that people do that? I think one of the biggest reasons that they say, well, that, I don't understand the Trinity, and so therefore, if I don't understand the Trinity, it can't be right because my finite mind is so amazing, I would be able to understand everything that God says 
Um, and so Jesus can't be God because I can't figure it out. So I'm going to then change and move things around a little bit to make it fit my own feelings so I feel better about what the Bible says. Well, I don't need to feel better, what, better about what the Bible says. The Bible says what it says. And my, when my, here's the way I look at it. When my finite mind can't understand something in the word of God, I'm okay with that because God has an infinite mind. If I could explain to you everything that was written in the Bible, if I could explain it without question, you would all be worshiping me. I know some of you say, well, that would, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you, know, be, then you know what I worship? Me? I can't even dress well half the time. You know what I'm saying? That's the problem with some people. They have to understand it all. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says the secret things are hidden with the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and our children. That's where faith comes in. Can I explain the Trinity? No, I can't. Is it real? Yes, it is. When I get to heaven, will God explain it to me? Will I have the mind of Christ to understand all these things and go, oh, now it makes sense. Yes, I will. But not until then. But that's where you get these problems. And it started from the, it started, really, it started, all this stuff that we talk about here, all this is really just repackaged Gnosticism, okay? That's really what it is. The idea that somehow we have to kind of take Jesus down a few notches. So in Isaiah, I'm going to, let's keep going. I'm going to, if you, if you have a pen and a, and a, and a piece of paper, right on the back of your, your new family news bulletin, because I'm going to run through scripture here. This whole sermon is going to be scripture, 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 Okay. So let me start with Isaiah 43:10. Because when we talk about a God, okay, that God created God the Father created a God, Jesus. All right? Isaiah 43:10. Before me no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. Hmm. Causes a problem for them. So again, here's the question. Is Jesus God? Is he deity? Or is he just a really great man? And again, why does it matter? Why is it so important? Why is this whole thing so important? It's important because if Jesus Christ isn't fully God, if he's not perfect, then his death on the cross was not sufficient. His grace was not sufficient to save us from our sin. And we are still separated from God. This is what we have to understand. This isn't just, oh, who cares? It matters if Jesus Christ is God or not, because if he's not God, his death on the cross is not sufficient. You sufficient. You are still dead in your sin and you are still separated from God because there's here's the goal of Satan. Here's the goal of every cult. Here's the goal of every false religion. Bring Jesus off of the throne. Get him off of the throne. That's the goal. Get him off of the throne. Okay, so what does the Bible teach? I'm going to get into that, get him off the throne a little bit later. What does the Bible teach? Well, some would say that Jesus never claimed to be God. In the discussion I was having, I've had a lot of discussions with Jehovah's Witnesses, and one of them, they say, well, Jesus never claimed to be God. They, they just misunderstood him. They just misunderstood. Because it's so evident in the Bible that Jesus does claim to be God, but they say they misunderstood him. So let's look at it. John chapter 5, verses 17 and 18. Jesus said to them, My father is always at, at his work to this very day, and I, too, am working. For this reason, now I want you to get this down. Jesus opens his mouth and says something. And in our culture, the 20th century, 21st century, we read that and go, well, I don't know, what's the big deal? 
you're reading it with a 21st century mind. If you read it from you read it from when Jesus existed, okay? When they were talking, they understood exactly what he was saying. So listen to what it says. For this reason, the Jews tried all the harder to kill him. For what? Right? No big deal. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Okay, here's more. John chapter 10, verses 30 to 33 says this. I and the father are one. Okay. Again, again, the Jews, Jews picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to them, let's keep trying to clarify. I have shown you many great miracles from the father. For which of these do you stone me? We are not stoning you for any of these, replied the Jews, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. And then Jesus said unto them, wait a second. Yea, I am but the greatest man who ever lived. Right? And then, lo, they all got together and, and got along perfectly and started playing Pictionary. Ooh, 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 Moses parting the Red Sea. You know what I mean? That's not what it says. That's not what he's talking. Jesus says this. They want to stone him. Jesus opens his mouth. They want to stone him. Jesus says they want to stone him. They want to kill him. You have to ask yourself the question, why? Why? Why do those who understand best want to stone him? Those who understood him best were not confused about what he was saying. They were not confused. The people who try to retranslate the Bible to what they want to say it for them say it means for themselves, they're maybe confused. But the Jews at this time were not confused. Well, what else does the Bible teach? In Philippians chapter two, verses five and six, it says, "Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus." Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped and made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant. Who, being in very nature God. Jesus did not hesitate to claim equality with God the Father. Didn't even hesitate. The Greek word for equal in John chapter 5 verse 18 is isos. As in isosceles. Like a, a, an equally sided triangle. So you three sided triangle, equally sided. Okay, I saw. So equal, there's equality there. The words that are translated in the Greek, they mean Jesus is equal with the Father. There's equality, an equal sided triangle. Jesus is in very nature God, and therefore was not blasphemed as the Jews said he was. He was stating the truth. See, the Jews heard correctly what Jesus was saying. They heard exactly what he was saying. He was making the claim to be equal with God, even though they didn't agree with him. They didn't like that idea. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't agree with Jesus, but that was the claim that he was making. Okay, Isaiah 42, 8 tells us, I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another. 
I am the Lord. That is my name. I will not give my glory to another. In Isaiah 48, in verse 11, God says, I will not yield my glory to another. But then in John chapter 17, in verse 5, Jesus prayed. Listen to what he prayed. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had when with you before the creation of the world. In Isaiah, it says that God will not share, God will not give his glory to another. Yet Jesus in John chapter 17 is expecting to receive the glory that he had with the Father before the creation of the world. See, These aren't mistakes. These aren't misunderstandings. Jesus didn't walk around and just he was so he wasn't smart enough to really figure this out. He didn't. You know, he was such a nice guy. He was such a nice guy. He never would want to bother anyone or tick them off. Right. Because he's such a sweetheart. And so why would he why would he bumble around making so many mistakes to to say these kinds of things? See, if Jesus is not deity, then this whole thing is in contradiction. It's it's contradictory. Micah chapter 5 and verse 2 says this, But you, Bethlehem, Epaphrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come from me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. In the New American Standard Bible, it puts it this way. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Jesus, whose birth is prophesied here, is said to be from 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 of old, from everlasting, from eternity, from the days of eternity. Jesus Christ was not created. He was with God from eternity. He is God, the Trinity. He wasn't created. Rather, he was with God for eternity. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Let me give you a few others. Revelation 1, 8 and then verses 17 and 18 says this. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come. The Almighty. It goes on. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death in Hades. There's that keys again. Remember last week, I hold the keys of death and Hades. Revelation 22 verses 12 and 13 and verse 16. Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. See, I want you to focus on the titles, right? The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the almighty God who is and was and is to come. All of those, all of those titles, all of those titles in context, not pulled out of context, in context are applied specifically to Jesus. Every one of them. 
the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the almighty God who was and is and is to come. All of those within the context of Scripture are applied specifically to Jesus Christ. Okay, let's go back to John chapter 1 and verse 1 and 2 and then also verse 14. I'll just go, I'll do verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word, the Word, get that in your mind, the Word was God. And then in verse 14 it continues. The Word, so here we go, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen we we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the father, full of grace and truth. And then John chapter one of my favorite verses in the Bible <laughs> shows me how finite I am and how finite my mind is. John one eighteen. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only who's at the father's side, has made him known. You did marbles right around your head. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only who's at the father's side, has made him known. Now, ask me to explain it. I don't I I can't explain again, can't explain the Trinity. But I, you know, there are other things I can't explain also. Okay, and even if you don't believe you're not even religious, there's things in the universe you cannot explain. They're unexplainable things. There always will be unexplainable things, whether whether you believe in a God or not. They're unexplainable things. I'm okay with unexplainable things. The Bible tells me to be okay with unexplainable things. That's why I worship an awesome God. But my point is, no one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only who's at the father's side, has made him known. Jesus is called the word, the logos of God. As logos, he is the He is the expression. He is the manifestation of God to us. Now, I want you to throw a few more verses out to back that up. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, it says, The Son is the image of the invisible God. Another one of my favorite verses, Hebrews chapter 1, in verse 3, it tells us, The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Okay. So just to tick the the teachers of the law and and the Pharisees off, um, let me give you another one. It says in Exodus chapter 3 and verses 13 and 14, Moses says to God, remember, you know, Moses, God says, go to my people, I set them free. And so Moses says to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What, what is his name? Then what shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. I am. Okay? Now, if you are a Jew at that time, right? Understand that when Moses came and what is the name of God? I am. Jesus, being confused by all of this, In John chapter 8, verses 58 and 59 says, I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. At this, 
They were so confused again. No, they weren't. At this, they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself away from the temple, from the temple, in the temple grounds. They picked up stones to stone him. Why would you pick up stones to stone poor Jesus just because he said, I am? Again, you, they would have you believe that these are all just total, they were just confused people. Not just a, it was just another misunderstanding. Well, let me tell you something. If Jesus is such a great teacher and the greatest man who ever lived and such a great communicator, he can't clear up all these misunderstandings with the, with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and teachers. Of the, he, can't, he can't clear that up. He's not smart enough, okay? After being chased around or whatever and trying to, they want to kill him, they want to stone him, they want to stone him, they want to stone him. You'd think after the first time someone wanted to stone you, you'd say, listen, you guys, you, you keep misunderstanding what I'm saying. I'm just a really great guy. <laughs> Nothing more. Stop getting so excited. It was a slip of the tongue when I said I am. It was a slip of the tongue when I said there was a slip of the tongue when I said that. The Jews knew exactly who he was claiming to be and wanted to stone him for what they saw, what they saw as blasphemy. Whenever you're questioning, well, what do you think? Do you think they understood? Do you think Jesus really claimed to be God? And people try to change a, to, into a God or move things around or go back and say, well, in the original this, and you can interpret it that way, whatever else. You, go ahead. You do all those mind-numbing kinds of things you want to do to try to figure out how you can explain Jesus isn't God. But the people who understood it better than any of us will ever understand it, when he talked to them, they responded by saying, you are claiming to be God, it's blasphemy, and we're going to kill you. That's what those who understood it best said every single time. In Mark chapter 2, verses 5 through 7, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Listen, verse 7. Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can, forgive, who can forgive sins but God alone? They're absolutely right. Who can forgive sins but God alone? God alone has the ability to forgive sins. Jesus possesses the authority to forgive sins. An authority only given to God. And I, let me tell you something. This is about seven pages kind of written out here. I had to cut out like 10 pages. But honestly, I did. This is one of the most frustrating sermons because uh, this, I'm just giving you a little taste, a little taste of the word of God and what it says about Jesus' deity. Okay? So only God has the authority to forgive sins. So what is Jesus doing when he says, son, your sins are forgiven? Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Bingo, you got it again. Give that man a prize. They're not misunderstanding him whatsoever. Jesus is fully God and fully man. Romans chapter 9 and verse 5, it says, theirs are the patriarchs and from them is traced the human ancestry of Christ, who is God over all forever praised. Amen. Christ, who is God over all. Again, you need to understand you say, well, why would, why, if that's so clear, that's so clear, why would people want to say otherwise? There's a bigger picture here. Because the goal of the enemy, the goal, okay, 
is to, is to somehow get people to, to shy away from this idea that Jesus is God. Because the goal is to get Jesus off of the throne. Take him down just a notch. He's a great guy. He's the greatest man who ever is. He is a good teacher. He's a moral this and he's a prophet and he's, he's a, all the stuff. They, no, no one will say he was a bad person or he, he never existed or whatever. They all just say, he, 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 you, got, you Christians have it wrong. He's not God. He's just one tiny, teeny step below God. Well, see, that one really tiny, teeny step below God changes everything. It changes everything. It changes everything theologically. People will say he's a good man. They'll say he's a good. He was a prophet and he was the greatest man and everything. But let me tell you something. This series is called Stand. Does it really matter what you believe? Does it really matter what you believe? I would say no if you just want to be religious. If you really want to just be religious, man, maybe it doesn't matter what you truly believe. You just want to be religious. Because you know what you can do? You can talk about God. You can talk about Jesus being a wonderful teacher. And you can, you can, you can celebrate Christmas and sing Christmas carols and, and drink eggnog and say things like, you know, it really doesn't, say it with sincerity too, it really doesn't matter if Jesus was God. It doesn't matter if that's true or not. What really matters me a tear. What really matters is that we're good to each other. What really matters is that we live by what Jesus symbolized. <laughs> he was such an incredible symbol. Pause why I throw up. <laughs> if Jesus Christ isn't God, okay, then stop worshiping him. Stop believing. Stop going to church. Stop celebrating Christmas and Easter. Stop praying. Stop the whole thing. If Jesus Christ isn't God, then we are still separated from God and we are still dead in our sin. Don't let people, oh, you know, they, they, they'll say it so sincerely. We, agree, we believe the same thing. You know what I find interesting of all these people come knocking on your door or want to convince you of something? They will, they will tell you over and over again, no, no, we believe the same thing. No, no, we believe the same thing. No, no, we believe the same thing. Until you kind of go with them to church, all of a sudden it's like, gotcha, now we're going to tell you something. Jesus isn't God. We believe the exact same thing, except one thing is missing. Jesus isn't God. You see, only if Jesus is fully God, does his death have any meaning. If Jesus Christ is not fully God, his death has no meaning. It took a perfect sacrifice to take away the sin of the world. It took a perfect sacrifice to take away the sin of the world. Not some good, greatest guy who ever lived hanging on a piece of wood. Some guy hanging on a piece of wood, a nice guy, a wonderful guy hanging on a piece of wood, has no theological, has no practical value for your life whatsoever. There is no, I talked about the power of the resurrection last week, boom, who cares? I talked about the Holy Spirit living, who cares? If Jesus Christ isn't God, who ca- th- those things don't matter. It only has meaning if Jesus Christ is who he claimed to be, who he claimed to be. Let's, let's go back to C.S. Lewis. He is either a liar, okay? People don't want to say that because that doesn't sound too nice. Jesus Christ is either a complete bull-faced liar, he was a complete lunatic, or he is who he said he was, Lord. 
Those are the, those are our options right there. Liar, lunatic, Lord. Only if Jesus Christ is fully God does it actually ever matter. What you believe about Jesus Christ will determine how you live out your faith. It will determine how bold and relentless you are. I am not charging into battle with a nice teacher. I don't know about you. I'm not taking my life, okay, and charging into battle and defending the weak and helping those who can't help themselves with some, with some, some nice teacher. It matters. It determines the choices you make in your life, your personal choices, your moral choices. You wonder when you look around why people who call themselves Christians behave the way they behave. There's a reason for it. Because who you believe Jesus Christ is will determine your choices in life. It's a choice. It determines your attitude towards sin. It determines how you see cultural events, cultural things, social issues like marriage and like abortion. It determines those things. Is it do, is my authority the word of God or is my authority my own opinion and how I feel? It determines that. It all is all ties together. It determines how obedient we are to God and what motivates that obedience. Is it love or is it obligation? Am I, am I feel obligated? It determines whether you will stand or not, whether you will choose to stand or not. I guarantee you those who died on the mission field were not confused about the deity of Jesus Christ. I guarantee you those who were martyred in the Roman Colosseum and even those martyred today were not confused about the deity of Christ. I guarantee you the disciples, many of whom gave their lives to share the gospel in a hostile world, we're not confused about the deity of Jesus Christ. Does it matter what we believe? Yeah, it does. Does it matter? Does it truly matter what you believe? Yes, it does. Does it matter what you believe about Jesus Christ? Yes, it does. It, it determines whether you're going to walk the fence. Let me be real clear. What you believe about Jesus Christ, and this is where some of you maybe struggle a little bit, what you believe about Jesus Christ will either, will either determine whether you walk the fence or walk through fire. There's the difference. Are you going to stay on whoa, one foot in the world and one foot here and just kind of jump back and forth because I want to be religious and I, but I don't want to live it out completely? It determines whether you either walk the fence or walk through fire. Are you going to walk through fire for him in school? Are you going to walk through fire for him at work? Are you going to walk through fire for him at home? Are you going to walk through... No, that determines whether you have the strength in you, okay, as a follower of, a follower of Jesus Christ. See, if I'm following someone who's a liar, maybe not. If I'm following someone who is nice, well, you know, I follow nice guys, you know, but... But if he is who he said he was, then you will walk through fire. How you view Jesus Christ determines how you view everything else in your life. Those who have a weak faith have a weak view of Jesus Christ. Those with a weak faith have a weak view of Jesus Christ. But when we understand who he is, God, and we understand what he has done for us, die on a cross then it motivates us. Then we are motivated. Our hearts are motivated. We are internally motivated to change our own lives and to change the world. It, does it really matter what we believe? It does matter. I want to challenge some of you, okay? 
You have such you have such incredible potential to learn these things and to share. Your minds are incredible. You're so gifted. But you're just sitting back and just soaking it all. You're just kind of taking it. You watch Discovery Channel and they say something. Isn't it lovely how right around Easter all these shows come out? The real Jesus, the real Jesus. Why don't they do that with other religions? You ever see them do it with Buddha or Muhammad or anything? They don't never do that. It's always with Jesus, the real Jesus, the real. And they get some knuckleheads on the show who don't, don't believe in God in the first place, to give you all this dribble about who Jesus really was. And you struggle with it. And sometimes we struggle with it because we don't know the truth ourselves. And so we hear some expert in nothing tell you who Jesus really is. Jesus Christ already told me who he really is. In the most authentic reliable document and study it yourself in the history of humanity. There it is. Jesus already told me who he was. We need to hold on to it. We need to believe it because it will determine who we are, how we live our lives and how we impact the lives of other people. What we're willing to walk through. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this time that we can spend together. And I pray, dear God, that we would use what we've learned this morning, that we would study it even more. And when people come and talk to us, Lord God, that we be able to present the truth of who you are to them. And that your Holy Spirit would permeate their lives and hearts. They'd be drawn closer to you. I pray, dear God, that even though I I say this stuff with passion, I pray that as we present it to others, that we would not be argumentative, Lord God, that we would have an open and sincere heart to share your love with those around us. Because your love, your son, Jesus Christ, is the only thing that can truly change this world. In his name we pray. Amen. Have a great week.